0: We're going to continue talking to you about the, uh, the month of impartation, dealing with the things of the Spirit, and um, after a brief review, I want to talk to you about the hindrances uh, to receiving the Holy Ghost. Everybody say, thank God, thank God for, the for the Holy Ghost. I get tickled when I hear people in ministry or in religious circles say, well, you know, that was for the first century church. These things are no longer needed anymore. No longer needed. That may be the dumbest thing I've heard all year. We've never needed Him more than we need Him right now. And uh, the way He describes, uh, uh, of course, His power and His goodness in Scripture, we need Him. So go to Acts chapter 1 for me. This is Jesus' message to His followers before He uh, ascends back to the Father. In chapter 1, verse 4, on one occasion, while he was with them, he gave them this command, Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my Father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And that phrase alone tells you that there is a salvation experience, there is a baptism of water for the remission of sins, but Jesus is talking about an immersion in the person of the Holy Spirit. Something altogether unique, different, subsequent, and separate. They gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it's not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. You can have a good amen today. Now we've been talking to you about the concept of impartation. You know, Paul was so motivated He said, you know, these words to his followers in Romans 1 chapter, verse 11, rather, "...for I long to see you that I may impart unto you some spiritual gift, to the end you may be established." If you wonder why these things are important, the things of the Spirit empower you and they establish you and they cause you to be fixed, immovable, always abounding in the things of God. You know what we need more of in the body of Christ today? Stability, consistency, people that are established and fixed in the things of God. We talked about how in Scripture, the Bible leaves a narrative record or a historical record of the Spirit of God and God's dealing with His people about the baptism in the Holy Spirit. In Acts chapter 2, the disciples obeyed what Jesus said in Acts chapter 1. They were all together in one place, and the Spirit of God descended, amen, separated and seemed like it were tongues of fire that sat on each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they all spoke in tongues. In Acts chapter 8, we find out that the Samaritans also, during that revival, received the Holy Spirit. And it was such a powerful move of God that Simon thought he could actually purchase this power. So whatever happened, there was a tangible physical manifestation to them receiving the Holy Ghost. We know from context... We know from history of Scripture that that, of course, was the the manifestation of tongues as well. We know in in Acts chapter 9, the Apostle Paul was baptized in the Holy Ghost and he was healed. Say it, baptized in the Holy Ghost and healed. I want to remind you that when you receive the fullness of the Spirit of God, you can expect the fullness of His potential. Which means He's able to touch your mind and touch you emotionally and heal your body and redirect your life. This seemingly little lady up here on the screen is responsible for thousands of women being set free. That's how powerful God is in someone's life. In Acts chapter 10, Cornelius and his household received the Holy Spirit. And we know the Bible says they also manifested it with speaking in tongues. In Acts chapter 19, Paul found some disciples And they said we hadn't even heard there was a Holy Spirit. And he, of course, laid his hands on them. And they also received the Holy Spirit. What do all these stories have in common? In Acts chapter 2, amen, the people were saved but waiting for God's power. In Acts chapter 8, Paul met Jesus on the road to Damascus. How many know that must have been one for the books? But he also was baptized in the Holy Spirit. In Acts chapter 9, the Samaritans who were saved were also now subsequently baptized in the Holy Spirit. In Acts chapter 10, they received the message Peter preached and the Holy Spirit fell on them and they were baptized in the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 19 describes those Ephesian believers as disciples, which means they were saved disciples, but they also needed the power. Now look and smile at your neighbor and say, and you need that power as well. Come on, say it boldly. You need the power. Well, you know, brother, I was always taught that that passed away. You know, that's gone. Let me tell you something. The Holy Spirit didn't pass away. Good theology passed away. And not only do we see that in the Bible, we see it throughout history. We see a, a a dark ages, as it were, when it came to the pre- the preaching of the Holy Ghost and the proliferation of the Spirit of God around this globe. But things began to heat up in the early you know, 20th century, around 1914, and 1915 in Topeka, and then Azusa Street. And, you know, when I was in Springfield and I was actually in graduate school and I, I worked in the same building as this lady works and works and operates out of, I, um, I noticed something that uh, one day the Brazilian general superintendent came there and he was going to tour the facilities and have some meetings. And this is like around 19, uh, this is like 1988. Say 1988. And I uh, got to find out that just in Brazil alone at that time, there were 14 million tongue-talking born-again people in that organization. Did I say A million. Yeah, and there's even more today. In in fact, I I heard from a a good source about a year and a half ago, the, the, the president of Brazil got born again and baptized in the Holy Ghost. God's on the move. Don't let the news tell you that God's not on the move. God is on the move. When sin abounds, grace doth what? All the more abounds. The point is, this isn't just for a few people. It's not just for the first century Peter talked about this, it's for you, it's for your children, it's for those that are far off, as many as our God shall call. In other words, no matter what they call themselves, what century they're in, what culture, what country, what color of their skin, no matter what they're doing, this is for every person who proclaims Christ as Lord. And we have never needed His power more than we need it today. When we talked about this, we mentioned it to you that it's the fulfillment of prophecy, and that alone is reason to get excited. It is not salvation, but it's an empowerment for the saved. It is a direct command of God. I want you to think about that. Some Christian thinks, well, you know, it's like, you know, different options on a car. I've got a tow package, you know, or I've got special Napa leather seats on my car. The Holy Spirit is kind of like that. No, it's actually a command. The baptism is a command of God. And what should Christians do with Commands. What should Christians do when Jesus gives a command? Obey Obey it. If He says you need it, dear God, you need it. Amen. It's a command, but it's also called a promise to be believed. It's a gift to be received. It's an empowerment to be used. And it's for all who've accepted Christ according to Peter's first sermon. What a powerful sermon that was. Amen. Well, when you think about this, he says, You shall receive power. Power for what? This is just a quick re-listing of the things I spent three hours sharing with you a couple of weeks ago. Power for life change. Power to be an effective witness. Power to live the Christian life. Power to speak in an unknown tongue. Power for hunger for the things of God. Power for boldness and confidence. Power to have your eyes open in these dark times for discernment. Power for revelation of the Word of God or understanding. Power to keep you and preserve you in these days. Power for the tangible presence of God in your life. How I many you like the presence of God? Power for the tangible presence of God. Power for healing, mental, emotional, and physical. Power for the fire. God spoke to me months ago about you, and He said He's going to fire kiss every one of you. Amen. Look at your neighbor and say, pucker up, buttercup. Amen. It speaks of the fire of God. Power for change priorities. Power for vision. Power to operate in the gifts of the Spirit. We call the baptism the gateway experience into the ninefold manifest gifts of the Spirit. Power for operating the gifts. Power for the for manifestation of the fruit of the Spirit in greater measure. We believe that if you're baptized in the Holy Ghost, you should be kinder than you were before. More loving than you were before. More patient than you were before. Well, I know some Spirit-filled people that are not all that kind. That's the problem. They should be exercising faith not just for power for gifts, but to manifest more of the fruit. Listen, more of the Spirit should be more of His character, not less. Amen? Power for increasing conviction. Sometimes folks will come to me and say, "Pastor, I got baptized in the Holy Ghost, and I praise the Lord. I'm speaking in tongues, using my prayer language, and God's revealing things to me." But they say, "You know what? It seems to me I can't get away with anything anymore." That's right. Here's the motivation to get baptized in the Holy Ghost: greater conviction, shorter leash. Woof. <laughs> That's just the way it is. More of His Spirit, amen, more He's in your business. Not to harm you, but to conform you to the image of Christ. To transform you. To do you good, not your harm. Power to increase in conviction. Power for greater guidance and direction. Power for wisdom and power over demonic forces. And they're out there. Come on, say this boldly all over the building. Greater is He that is in me than than he that is in the world. You don't have to fear them. You have dominion over them. What a wonderful thing that is. But as much as these things are are truly marvelous, and I have uh, lived this life since about 1982, it changed everything. The new birth should change everything. And being Spirit-filled should change everything. I can attest to so many of the things I just told you about in this list. Some of them are more prominent in my thinking than others. And it's a wonderful, wonderful thing. But I will tell you this, the devil will do everything he can to stop you from receiving the Holy Ghost and growing in the Spirit-filled life. The devil hates it. Religion is is afraid of it. Tradition will oppose it. I want to encourage you today, just kind of set your little handbook over here and just listen to what the Word of God has to say to you. And don't allow the hindrances to stop you from walking in everything God has for you. There's one person that has a vested interest in stopping people from getting baptized in the Holy Spirit, and that is the devil. There is nothing the devil hates than a born-again, spirit-filled, tongue-talking, word of faith, amen, tithing, servant, child of God. You are his worst nightmare. In fact, this room is filled with versions of his worst nightmare. Yeah. All right. And if you think about it, it's fair. How long has he been picking on you? How many times has he come against you? How many devices have been lobbed against you? How many times has temptation reared its ugly head at you? How many times has he hurt people that you love and you care about? It seems to me it's time for us to return the favor. And one of the ways you do that is by walking in the fullness of the Holy Ghost, not religiously, and not being denied by some ridiculous hindrance. Amen. Amen. That first one is simply not being born again. You must be born again to receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Uh, Getting saved is not the baptism in the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit comes to dwell in you when you're saved, but that is not an immersion in His person and His power and His character. I was so motivated when I came to college here that uh, I'd lay my hands on a rock and try to get it baptized in the Holy yeah. Ghost. <laughs> I remember uh, going on a back street in Carmel, Illinois, about a month after I was baptized in the Holy Spirit uh, by the university, and I, uh, I hit a rabbit. Now, I've never liked you know, seeing things killed. You know, I'm just I'll swerve. A little baby deer jumped out in front of us the other day. I mean, it was about the size of my dog. though well, thought, that is tiny. Uh, and instead of seeing, hey, big car hurt, he jumped right in front of the car. And I had uh, supernatural ability to slam on the brakes. And it skidded, and thank God I missed it. But I hit this rabbit. Now I'm 18 years old, born again, spirit-filled, tongue-talking. I get out of my car, I'm in the middle of the road, and I bend over the rabbit, and I say, Rabbit, get up in Jesus' name. You say, what happened? He didn't get up. <laughs> but the point is, I asked me if I'd ever done anything like that in my life without that sense of consciousness of who you are in Christ. And so I was highly motivated when I came to, to Murray State. And I had already laid hands on a lot of people. And uh, a friend of mine from high school was in the college, only one of the two people that I do that actually came here, Uh, to Murray State. And I did everything I could to get her baptized in the Holy Ghost. Just really just ministered to her. And then uh, one of her friends came up to me from college and he said, "Uh, Art, I appreciate your enthusiasm, but you got to get her saved first. (laughs) I mean, you know, sometimes it just takes a little word like that to instruct you. And so I changed my focus, but she never really responded. She actually... uh, had not seen me since I was saved and actually thought I had lost my mind. And you know what? She was right. I lost my mind and I took on the mind of Christ. Amen? And I don't know this day, lost contact with a lot of those folks who don't have any idea what they're doing. But boy, she thought I was crazy. How I many of you know, somebody thinks they're crazy, it's hard to get them filled with the Holy Ghost? <laughs> but say, you must be born again. So how about we just take care of that right now? Amen. There's no reason for anybody in this room to walk in darkness, to walk in unforgiveness, amen? To walk in defeat. You can be right now. Faith in your heart and faith in your mouth. You believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead and you say with your mouth, Jesus is Lord and confession is made unto salvation. Amen? So let's all do it right now. Amen? Amen. Go ahead and close your eyes and say, Heavenly Father, in Jesus' name, I understand understand. the gift of salvation salvation. is in Jesus Jesus and what He did for me. I repent of my sin. I I ask Your forgiveness. I ask You to come into my life and be my Lord. I believe believe. God raised You from the dead. And I say with my mouth, "Jesus Jesus is Lord, now according to the word, confession is made unto salvation. Therefore, I'm saved. saved. Say it. I am saved. I am saved. I'm saved. Save, save, save. I'm saved in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. Um, You may have been born again for decades, but there are a few people in here. There are always people in here that were not right. But in my spirit, I'm convinced they're right right now. So congratulations. You are all qualified for the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Every single one of you. But you must be born again. There are born again people In Acts chapter 2. Paul was born again in Acts chapter 9. The Samaritans were born again in Acts chapter 8. Are you hearing me? Cornelius' household received the message and were born again in Acts chapter 10. In Acts chapter 19, the Ephesians were born again. And then they all received the Holy Ghost. Come on, shout it out. Thank God for the Holy Ghost. The second hindrance is just ignorance. Not stupidity, uh, but a lack of knowledge. So people who really want everything that God has for them, they want the Lord to instruct them. And that's why these messages on impartation are so important because if you've been doing this a while, you think everybody understands and everybody doesn't understand. To have knowledge, to have revelation about the things of the Spirit, it is so critical. one of the same people that kind of hung out with the lady I was trying to get baptized in the Holy Ghost, my sister gave me a little choker with a little dove on the end of it. The choker, uh, you can imagine, that was at 18 years old. The choker part didn't fit no more. I filled out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I salvaged the dove. And to this day, the dove is on a chain and hangs to my rearview mirror and has hung from every car I've had you know, since that time. And all I do is glance at it to remember what God did for me. Yes. Amen. But in college, my neck was still thin. I had to wear it, you know, and one of her friends was a Christian and said to somebody else, well, I, I don't even think he knows what that, what that means because all she heard was about the beautiful saint I was in high school. Well, I did know what it means. Then I know what it means now. Amen. Turn to somebody and tell them, you need, you need everything, everything God has for you. And ignorance, well, does a care for it. What does the Bible say about it? Do your own study of Acts chapter 2, 8, 9, and 10, 19, and you'll find out what I did. These things are true. They're very, very real. Read John chapter 7, what Jesus said about the Holy Ghost. Read chapter one of Acts and you'll find out that this is something that he promised that he told them they needed. Amen. And have me know if Jesus thinks it's necessary, Amen. it's necessary. Amen. So lack of knowledge, you know, Hosea said like this in four six: my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. He didn't say because they're horrible, terrible sinners. You know, I can't depend on them. You know, they're always messing up on me. He said they're destroyed for a lack of knowledge of knowledge well there's a cure for lack of knowledge and it's called revelation find out what god said about this now you're going to have to set aside what every preacher and their grandmother thinks and go do your own study of the scriptures commentaries are fine are you hearing what i'm saying for background for languages for customs but never go you know to a commentary and say well this must be what the bible means not the bible speak for itself There's some very prominent teachers and preachers in the body of Christ and they rail on these things of the Spirit of God. They're secessionists. They deny these things exist. They deny these things are real today. Of course, the millions of people around the world beg to differ. They walk in these things. And they rail on the gifts. They rail on the spirit-filled life. They rail on tongues. And they rail on the goodness of God. They rail on things like prosperity. But I can tell you something, if you're going to be anti-prosperity, at least stop walking around with a net worth of $25 million, which is one very prominent one in California has. And he doesn't give away his big hardback books. He sells them. If you're going to be anti-prosperity, then give it all away. and Stop talking with duplicity in your life. Amen. In other words, I believe in it secretly, but I want to be known for not being pro-blessing. Why don't you to just be like integrity is being the same, being whole. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you? Yeah. So I don't want to hear some man tell me what I can't have. Yeah. When Jesus said, I can have it. Jesus nowhere says, you know what? By 2023, the Holy Ghost will no longer be needed. Never said that. So I'm not going to listen to a modern day preacher tell me these things have passed away. Amen. Because every one of you tongue talkers out there is proof they hadn't passed away. No, pastor, they're just all mentally ill. Do you really want to play that game? They're not mentally ill. They're saner than they've ever been before in their lives. Number three, religion. The Bible tells us that tradition makes the Word of God of none effect. It's not my tradition to believe that there's a subsequent experience. That's not like us. Our religious training tells us that when you get saved, that's all there is. These things no longer exist. Well, You have to make up your mind. Are you going to go with the Word of God? Or what somebody taught you years ago? Or what you heard? Amen? You know, the Lord moves in mysterious ways. Scripture or man-made? The word church ought to know better. Scripture or is that man-made? You never know what the Lord's going to do. Scripture or man-made? Man-made. The Word of God is made of none effect by man's Tradition. I recommend you start a new tradition. Believe in everything the Bible says. I'm going to say it. My tradition is believing and receiving everything the Bible says I can have. Amen. You know what God's tradition is? His tradition is to save and to heal and to deliver and to prosper. Amen. And to baptize in the Holy Ghost. That's His tradition. Number four, false teaching. Teaching literally against the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I have uh, friends in the ministry that they're convinced that uh, things like tongues are of the devil. In fact, in churches around this area, you'll even find people who will say things like this. And rail against the gift of the Spirit. And the first of all, when you attribute something from the Holy Spirit to the devil, you're on dangerous ground to begin with. So here's a recommended pose for you is to be quiet when you don't know what you're talking about. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you? Um, I served the devil faithfully for almost 18 years and never spoke in tongues once. And some of you served him a lot longer than that. You would think at some point in time. Let me just do the real poll here, okay? You all right with that? How many of you know when you weren't saved, you remember when you weren't saved? Okay? Put your hand down. How many you spoken in tongues when you're under the influence of the devil all those years? Not a single one of you. But now you got baptized in the Holy Ghost, and so now you do pray in the Holy Ghost because yeah. it's not the devil, it is God. I love Brother John Osteen's ministry and his legacy of missions and getting people filled with the Spirit and getting people healed. And my favorite story is where he's standing in the pulpit. He was a pastor in Texas in a Baptist church. And um, he had received the Holy Ghost um, sometime after this. But in keeping with his formal training, he opened up the Bible and he turned to 1 Corinthians 12 and he started talking about the gifts of the Spirit. And he said, uh, well, you know, uh, the gift of tongues, that's what, uh, you know, our good Baptists, you know, do when they go and they get translations of the Bible so other people can read it. And he talked about, and, and you know, gifts of healing, that's what our good Baptist doctors do. And about midway through his sermon, he looked up at the church and said, I don't know what I'm talking about. And he shut his Bible and he closed the service down. <laughs> at least he was honest. No, i tell you something. These are the works of the Holy Spirit. Amen. They glorify Christ. And they empower God's people. Amen. And they show forth his mercy and his grace and his glory. Amen. Religion. False teaching. No, the true teaching is that Jesus hasn't changed. His command hasn't changed. Amen. Everybody say, God bless the Baptists. God bless the Lutherans. God bless the Methodists. God bless the Presbyterians. Say why? Because we all need it. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you? Yeah. Now, there are churches that teach various things about the things of the Spirit. Can I tell you something? Uh, when the Holy Spirit begins to move, he's, he, he is not going to reference their denominational history or their tradition. Right. Amen. 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 Yeah. If I show up hands, how many of you were not raised personally in a Pentecostal or charismatic environment? Just raise your hand. Look at those hands. What does that tell you? It is, this does not belong to the Pentecostal or Charismatic Movement. It belongs to the body of Christ. Aren't you glad for that? Amen. Yes, amen. What do you do with false teaching? I will tell you that the most difficult time I've had leading somebody into the baptism in the Holy Spirit are people who have been taught against this from a very early age. People who knew nothing about it, it's easier to instruct them. But people who are pounded on these things, you know, they got the stuff in there. But how many understand that God's word can just push that stuff out? Amen. Just like anything else. You may have been taught here today that, uh, you know, God will make you sick just to teach you something. And if you heard that enough, you, you, you know, you believe that, rising and, and, and laying down at night, you believe that. And yet you won't find one occasion anywhere where Jesus took and made somebody sick to teach them something. But you will find Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John every occasion where Jesus took stuff off people. That's right. Amen. But it's powerful in there when you've been slammed with this stuff. So how you know that He'll renew your mind if you ask Him to? Yes. And Just let the Word of God speak for itself. Yeah. Amen. Number five is doubt and unbelief. You receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit just like you receive salvation by faith. You've got to believe. If you believe, you will receive. It's as simple as that. It's a gift. You receive it as a gift and thank God for it. Uh, We want to make this such a a big deal about uh, trying to earn something or press into something or or tarry for something. You know, the, the moment you believe that Christ died for you, the moment you confess Him as Lord is the moment you are saved. And the moment you believe, you receive you are baptized in the Holy Spirit and you will have that supernatural ability to pray in a language you never learned. It's not real complicated. It's not supposed to be. Same way. Look at somebody and tell them, the same way you got saved is the same way you get baptized in the Holy Ghost. Same mechanism. Amen. Amen. Number six, bitterness and unforgiveness is a hindrance. It will block the operation of the baptism in your life. In Acts chapter 8, where that man wanted to buy the power that when he ever laid hands on somebody, they had received the Holy Ghost. The apostle said, Your heart's not right, you're filled with bitterness. Listen to me very carefully. It is erroneous teaching that says that you have to get yourself perfected and all cleaned up so that you can deserve to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. That's not biblical. In fact, the point is, you need the Holy Ghost and you need the baptism to be further cleaned up and be further a holy vessel for God. Uh, It's not you doing it and then, oh, but as an award, you get the Holy Ghost. No, you need the Holy Ghost to get to that end. Amen. To continue the sanctification process. We covered this when we dealt with the process, the transformational process of sanctification. You need Him. Now that said, I've seen time and time again, there is one area where your heart needs to be right in a relationship with God. And that is, if you're bitter, unforgiving towards other people or bitter towards the Lord, it will prevent you from receiving the Holy Ghost because you cannot be in bitterness and in faith at the same time. You can't receive anything. Fundamentally, the baptism is given in response to a request. A prayer. Luke 11 says, if you ask for the Holy Ghost, how many know God's not going to give you something dangerous to you? It says, how much more will he give the Holy Spirit to them that ask him? And we know that asking in faith is the key. But when there's bitterness there, it's impossible to ask in faith my personal experience was when i was first prayed for by my sister was bitterness blocked that initial prayer but i went and repented pretty quickly you know when you want something and you know it's real you want more of god you're not going to hold on to your unforgiveness towards somebody what they they did about you, what they said about you, how they hindered you or stomped on you or abused you. I'm telling you what we're living in a nation right now where everybody wants to focus on what happened to them and the trauma they went through and the hardship they went through. You know what? It's nothing compared to what the past generations have gone through. The problem right now in this nation is they're too introspective. It's not about you. And we find counselors that will further and advance that, but it's really, really kind of simple. Anybody here want to be permanently delivered from the throes of bitterness and you want to move on with God in the fullness of the power of God? Raise your hand. You want to be full. You want to move with God. It is really, really simple. Forgive them. More powerful than a thousand hours of counseling. But there are so-called Christian counselors in this nation, and this is free. I won't charge you anything for this part. There are so-called Christian counselors that no longer believe in the efficacy of the power, the principles of God. Besides that, if I tell you in session one, forgive them and move on, I don't make any money off that. But if I keep you coming back to talk about it and talk about it and talk about it and talk about it and talk about it, billable hours, baby. That's good. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm preaching truth to you, whether to receive it or not today. Right. And I do believe there's a place for biblical counsel, yeah. but biblical counsel is not going to tell you, vent, share, talk, talk, share, vent, Talk some more. Share some more. Get on the phone and tell 15 more people. Get on Facebook. Start a page. Uh-huh. No. No. Or forgive. As you have been forgiven if Jesus thought like we do that we need to go through some process of deprogramming and de Jesus would never get out of therapy. <laughs> On the cross, what do you say? Father, forgive them. forgive them, for they know not what they do. Can I help you out? How many of y'all want help today? Did you come here for some help and encouragement, strengthening in the Holy Ghost? Amen. Ninety-nine percent of the people that have hurt you didn't know what they were doing either. Oh, they knew what they were doing. You would be amazed. In the cloud of sin and deception, they can end up doing things and saying things and thinking they're serving God in the process. You, everyone in this room. Everybody watching, you have a superpower. You have the power to neutralize everything that was ever said or done to you. You have the superpower to strip it of its influence and its power in your life if you'll just apply it. It's called forgiveness. Amen. Amen. Does it come to that, Pastor? <laughs> I start forgiving. <laughs> Pastor, there's so many that I have to forgive. <laughs> I have to call them all by name and just say, Lord, I repent for walking in unforgiveness. In the same vein of being saved, let's do that right now. Lord, I repent for any unforgiveness, any bitterness, any bitterness, any unforgiveness. Any unforgiveness, any bitterness, any bitterness, any bitterness, I repent of it all. And you'd be amazed how that jacks up your prayer life, including the pathway to the baptism in the Holy Spirit. But I'm just telling you that the heart matter, when it comes to the things of God... It's absolutely important. But that should not be confused with somebody telling you when you clean yourself up and you're perfect, then God will accept you and baptize you in the Holy Spirit. That's not what I'm saying. Yes. Your people have left me. People have hurt me, Pastor. They stabbed me in the back. They betrayed me. They gave me the Judas kiss. <laughs> 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 what you don't realize is you've given others the Judas Oh, no, not me. My lips are pure. (laughs) People come, people go. People are faithful, they're unfaithful. People are diligent, they're not diligent. They stand with you, they're there, they're not there. The question is, what are you doing about your own walk with God? That's what really matters. Many of you know that uh, Lester Sumrall learned ministry and mentorship under the tutelage of smith wigglesworth who was a powerful apostle of god and lester became a very very powerful apostle of god miracles healing signs wonders deliverance Uh, he had a a huge plane they used to fill with all kinds of food and clothing around the world the guy was just uh, the real deal and one of his spiritual sons was a man named mark barkley ring a bell anybody been here to hear mark barkley in this church okay He's also a blessing to us personally as well as the church, and he's for you and he prays for you. And uh, he was young in the ministry, and he called Dr. Barklip one day, uh, Dr. Summerall, and he said, uh, You know, uh, there's, this, there's this family, and we just poured our lives into them, and we, we gave them everything we possibly could and helped provide for them and sow into their lives, and we were there for them time and time again, and they just up and left us. Didn't even say a word. <laughs> and he was expecting sympathy from Summerall. You don't know Summerall, I'll tell you he didn't have any. <laughs> but here's what he said. Mark Is your church a living organism? And Dr. Barkley said, "Yes." He goes, "Every living thing needs a bowel movement, flush and get back to work." Click. <laughs> that was the end of the conversation. I thought about that statement on several occasions. Um, I'm, I've been here 27 years, going on 28, is that right? It's dawned on me that it seemed like from time to time we've had a 28 year case of diarrhea. Everybody knows what it's like. There's no one in here that's special. There's no special asterisk in the scripture that says, forgive as you've been forgiven, except Fred, George gets a bye. Mary doesn't have to do this. No. I'm going want all that God has for you. Don't let bitterness and unforgiveness stop you from the best that God has. And the best God has for you is what? The things of the Spirit. Amen? Turn your neighbor and smile and say, Flush! Flush. And get back to work. Notice what he didn't say is, Mark, I've got the name of a counselor for you. You know, we need some more generals like that in the faith. Who don't care if you post ugly things about them on Facebook. That doesn't move them. I tell you one, because they're not even on Facebook. <laughs> Moving right along, Pastor. <laughs> Say it with me. Bitterness Bitter. and unforgiveness Bitter. will, block will block your baptism in the, in the Holy Ghost. Number seven, no sense of need or desire. You have no thirst, no hunger, nor desire for more. You'll be filled to the level of your own desire. And the level of your own pursuing. If you want more of God, He will meet you. And even after you're saved and baptized in the Holy Ghost, come you know there's more. Amen. There's only more, always more for us. Amen. Number eight, self-consciousness. You care too much about what people think, or how you look, or what they will think or what they will say. Who cares? Don't let yourself be robbed of a supernatural gift because of what humans think. Amen. Just go ahead and grab everything He has for you. Amen? And then last but not least is just fear. By exposure, by conversation, by some flaky things that have happened in churches around the world, you're, you're afraid of these things. You're afraid of the young nun, including things like tongues. You're afraid somehow, but I'll tell you this, the devil will use that to rob you if you're not careful. Uh, you heard uh, Beth Grant you know, display of that, you know, everybody is, is, is really going to be a little different in terms of the pathway and, and they're receiving. There are many people who have received in an altar. There are many, uh, many people who have received at a youth camp. Uh, the young people will be going to Prize of Point this next week. Amen. And I can tell you this, there'll be kids come home baptized in the Holy Ghost. Amen. As God moves in, in scenarios like that, and that's exactly the kind of thing your kids should be exposed to. Um, you know, my kids are so busy. Where are your priorities at? your kid being a champion for God? Let me give you a tip, parents. How uh, many of parents can't be everywhere all the time? But the Holy Ghost is. Yes. Amen. Uh, and the Holy Ghost will tell your parents things. And you'll wonder where they got that information. I'll tell you where they got that information. And what I will tell you this is, is you have an extra parent, a supernatural parent, when you get your child baptized in the Holy Ghost. They'll do a far better job of bringing conviction and instruction and redirection to your child than you and I could ever do. That's why these things are so you know, important. Amen. Amen? But being afraid of the baptism, afraid of the gifts, that plays right into the hands of the enemy. Because let me tell you something, he is afraid there's nothing he fears more than a saint using their prayer language regularly. Receive at the baptism of the Holy Spirit and it will continue to develop all the days of your life. Why is he afraid of that? Well, first of all, it's a vocal miracle every time you do it. It is not you, amen, but it's the inspiration of the Holy Ghost using the physicality that you have to bring utterance. supernatural utterance. You say, well, that's just weird and people make fun of that and laugh at it. Yeah, they did on the day of Pentecost. I think it's important to understand that they laughed and said they're drunk with wine. And Peter's like, no, I don't think so. It's what? It's only nine o'clock in the morning. Very, Very next narrative, they're praying together and they're all refilled with the Holy Ghost. Notice that it didn't stop them one iota, somebody laughing at them. It didn't stop them one iota, somebody said something disparaging about them. They just went about their business, receiving and dispensing. Amen? Receiving and dispensing. The apostles that went to Samaria didn't care if they were laughed at. Paul didn't care if people were laughing at him now in the Jewish Sanhedrin and those, oh, Paul is one of those Christians now. You can just imagine the flack he took. He didn't care. He found some Ephesians who didn't have it. And he wanted them to have it. So it's a vocal miracle. I never see miracles, Pastor. I want to see some miracles. I want to see some miracles. Get baptized in Holy Ghost. Shut up speaking in English and start talking in tongues. You'll hear a miracle every time you do it. And hearing yourself speak in tongues is a a God consciousness thing. It will remind you of the reality of God, how everything he said is true. But Watch this. If you're the devil, you don't want people speaking in tongues. You'll use ignorance, you'll use religion, you'll use tradition, you'll use the opinions of people, you'll do whatever you can to stop it. Because listen to me carefully, every time you pray in the Spirit, everything you pray lines up with God's Word and God's will. Amen. Romans eight twenty six. the Spirit helps us pray. Yes. Say everything you pray, you pray lines up, lines up with, the with the Word and, word and, word the, word and word. the will of God. With when word. you pray in English, that's not the case. Not everything you pray in English always lines up with the will and the word of God. Because as much as you've grown, you're still natural. And sometimes you pray in panic. Sometimes you pray in fear. Sometimes you pray in frustration. Sometimes you pray in bitterness. Sick Lord, sick them. Get up. <laughs> but in the Holy Ghost, You never pray. Listen carefully. You Remember the the apostle talking about how sometimes we don't get what we pray for because we pray amiss? You never pray amiss when you're praying in the Holy Ghost. Ever. Amen. Watch this. Everything you pray in tongues comes to pass. Everything. Well, I don't always know what I'm praying about. No, but there are things on your heart, and the Holy Ghost does. Best thing you can do about a situation you don't know what to do is pray in the Holy Ghost and trust God to bring solutions and resolutions for it. Say, everything, everything. You, pray you pray in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Ghost. comes to pass. Watch this. Everything you pray in tongues is a faith. Every prayer in the Holy Ghost is a faith prayer. That's not always the case when you're speaking in English. Amen. Sometimes there's some doubt there. Amen. Some unbelief there. A hoping the praying. It's just, it's just different. Amen. If you're the devil, you do not want people speaking in tongues. Well, guess what? It's none of his business. Some of y'all have been in this a long time and you just haven't been using your prayer language. It's time to stir that gift up of you. Use like he never had before. Aggravate the devil. No other motivation. It aggravates him. One, he doesn't understand it. He doesn't know what's being prayed about and he can't stop the resolution of what it brings. Amen. It's time to freak him out. Are you here? Some practical benefits of praying in the Holy Ghost. When you are speaking in tongues, you can't cuss at the same time. Very utilitarian. Getting ready to let somebody have it? Just start praying in the Holy Ghost. I know no one here has ever felt that way. <laughs> Amen. It's a whole lot better than duct tape. <laughs> but if you want some, I think it's on sale at Dollar Generals. You, know, you can go there right now. You can get it. Amen. It subjects your tongue which is the seat of your authority yes. as a believer. Yes. Now, as motivated as the devil is to block this, you know, the last day's church has to be more motivated than ever to introduce you to it. Amen. So say it me: thank God for the Holy Ghost. Come on, say it again. Say, thank God, thank God. For, the for the Holy Ghost. You know, when Brother Osteen started to flow in these things, his church had a a trial for him. (laughs) Could you imagine being on trial just for simply preaching the word of God? He'd been baptized in the Holy Ghost. He was doing horrendous things like having people come down for prayer and they were getting healed. I guess if they went home sick, they wouldn't have tried. Put him on trial. And they would say, you know, Deacon would hold up this book and he'd say, that's not in our denominational handbook. Brother Osteen would would hold up his well-worn Bible and say, yeah, but it is in this book. Come on, shout it out. It is in the book. book. It's in God's book. And man's denominational handbook should never trump what the Word of God says. Are you here today? Why don't you stand to your feet and give him a big hand clap and thank the Lord today.